Well, if you've been with us uh, the past few months, we've been studying God's commands in terms of His intentions for the relationships of His people in the church, studying the one another commands. And so in preparation for the message this morning, I studied a number of passages on serving one another. And there are indeed several remarkable passages on that. But as I looked at those different instances in the Bible, um, I just kept coming back to the same thought or the same idea. And that was that this idea of serving one another really makes no sense apart from our relationship with God. Uh, To put it another way, if we don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ with our lives then we aren't likely to serve one another. Uh, Last week, if you were with us and heard the message from Erwin McManus, he referred to this idea in his message. He quoted a verse which says, To live is Christ, to die is gain. And I believe that's the same kind of idea, because if you die to yourself, then you find your life in Christ. And when you do that, Erwin told us, it frees you up to overcome your fears, uh, to push through the pain you may be going through, or to persevere in the midst of failures. That's how Erwin put it last week. And so this morning, I don't just want to speak about serving one another. I want to talk about the joy of serving the Lord Jesus. Because if you don't serve the Lord with your life, You probably won't serve one another. But if you know the joy of serving Jesus, you can't help but serve others. It's it's what we do. It's what he does. And so it's what we do. Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 17 through 24. Let me give you a little bit of context for this passage. Jesus has just sent out a number of his followers, 72 to be exact, and he sends them out two by two into the area towns. And before they go, he warns them that they're going to be warmly received by some, but coldly rejected by others. And he says, woe to those who reject his disciples, because in so doing, they're rejecting him. And in our passage this morning... Well, we're going to read, the disciples return from going out into the area towns, and the dominant theme that I think you're going to see here is joy. It's joy. So let's look at that passage, Uh, Luke chapter 10, 17 through 24. It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. 
No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. So it says that the 72 returned with joy. They before had seen the power of Jesus firsthand, but notice this is something different. They were excited. They were pumped because God had worked through them. Now, I'm not good at math. Many of us don't like math, but this is a different kind of thing. This is God math, if you will. Their small efforts combined with God's power equaled transformation. You see, before they had watched Jesus, they were spectators, but this is different. This was firsthand experience of the divine power working its way into their lives. This was God working through them. And this changes everything. To be a spectator is, is a very different thing than to actually have God's power working in you and God uh, doing ministry in you and through you. It changes everything because serving Jesus leads us to joy. And so this morning, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about how does serving Jesus lead us to joy? Well, first of all, from the passage, there's joy in defeating the powers of darkness. Verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So again, the, demon, or the, the disciples are pumped. They're excited. They're emotionally charged. And they come back to Jesus. And notice that Jesus doesn't try to, uh, he doesn't say, hey, you guys need to calm down. This is church. Come on. He doesn't try to dampen or dispel their joy here. And he shares with them that he sees something else than what they see, something that no one else could see. Verse 18, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. So the disciples are excited about the outward signs of transformation that they saw, but Jesus tells them that their efforts are making a difference to overcome the power of the enemy, that, that he could see something that they could not see. There was something larger going on than what they could see. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What does that mean? Well, many have interpreted that phrase to mean that as a result of the disciples' actions, Satan lost his grip in a variety of encounters where the disciples were participating. And so... We do know that wherever the disciples were preaching and healing and serving and casting out demons, Jesus saw Satan falling. So for you and I, we need to remember that there's a spiritual battle going on. And Ephesians 6 describes that battle. Because we may not be able to see it, we may not be able to know how that battle is going, but to be reminded that this spiritual battle 
between God and Satan continues in our day. It's still going on. And in, in our day, again, Satan doesn't want people to come to know Jesus. He doesn't want the power of God to be flowing through their lives. And so he comes to kill and destroy and deceive. And so as God's church, we need to know that there's a battle so that people can come to know him and to love him and so that they can speak the truth, so that they can spread his love and point people to him. Because that's what the church is designed for, to fight the battle. And so when we serve, Jesus is telling us, we're fighting the battle, we see lives transformed by God, there's great joy. Isn't that true? Have you seen that? I've seen that in our church, where God begins to speak and work in your lives. And, and I've been greatly encouraged by people saying, God, it's your life, what do you want to do? And so they offer their passions, they offer their gifts, and God uses whatever small thing they have for His glory. And it brings me joy. And I think you've seen it, and it brings you joy as well. That's what the church is designed for. Uh, when His followers put their faith in action, and they see lives transformed, and it gives us great joy. So the disciples are flying. They had joy that the spirits had submitted to them. But then Jesus tells them they have a greater reason for joy than that. Verse 20, he says, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So how does serving Jesus lead to joy? Well, not only does he give you and I power over the enemy, but he assures us of the victory. And so my second point is that there's joy in our eternal celebra- uh, salvation. I was going to say celebration, because that's something to celebrate. There's joy in our eternal salvation. And so you may be joyful now because of all the things that God has given you. His protection, His blessings. But Jesus says that's nothing compared to your name being written in heaven. So rejoice in that. Take joy in that, that you serve the one who's paid the price for your sin, the one who has washed away all of your sin and iniquity, the one who has given you His righteousness, the one who has blessed you with His provision, the one who's given you spiritual gifts and natural abilities that you can use for Him, the one who writes your name in heaven. Take joy in that. We have joy in serving Jesus. Joy because He's given us power over the evil one, because He transforms lives. Joy because He wants to use us in this battle for truth and righteousness. And joy because we know our names are written in heaven, that He will win the battle. And we simply have joy in knowing Jesus, in having relationship with Him. Verse 21, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and he said to them privately, 
Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And so this is true in our day, that the world is blind to the ways of God. Their hearts and their minds have been darkened. And so as a result, they don't see the wonder of God. If you look at the book of Proverbs, it talks about that. Um, wisdom calls out in the streets for anyone to hear, but the fool does not listen. Have you ever stopped to wonder, why is it that God has allowed my eyes to see? Why has God been gracious enough to reveal this truth about Him when others in the world don't see it at all? Who am I that God would allow me to know Him in the person of Jesus, His Son? What a privilege. What a joy. And so Jesus says, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. So there's great joy in serving Jesus. In knowing Him. In knowing that your name is written in heaven. And defeating the powers of darkness. But I want to point out one more reason to serve Him with your life and to serve one another. And and I think this might be the most important point of the message. So if you've gotten distracted this morning, come back. Hear Hear this last point, please. The disciples go out. They come back from their mission. Notice what Jesus' response is when they come back. I mean, does, does He critique them? Does He give them helpful feedback? You know, he, he certainly could have done a better job than Him. And perhaps, this is how my mind thinks, this would be a teachable moment to prepare them for more effective ministry later on. Right? But was that His response here? That would have been fine. But no. Notice what his response is. It's joy. It's pure joy. Now, was that because of the incredible work that they had done? Probably not. His joy was because his followers had now understood the meaning or the mission of their lives. And this brought him immense joy. And so this morning... I want to ask you, do you want to bring Jesus immense joy in your life? And if so, the Scripture is clear. If you want to bring the Lord intense joy, then humbly put your life in His hands and seek to serve Him with your life. So my last point is that there is joy in pleasing Jesus. This lets Jesus know that you understand the meaning and the purpose of your life. When you put your faith in action, when you... When you do that, it gives Him joy, it gives Him glory, and it confirms this belief that you belong to Him. And so if you and I love the Lord, we're going to serve Him. We're going to serve others, because this is what He's created us for. And the sad part for me is that some people live their entire lives without realizing the purpose that they were made for. But I don't want that to be true for you this morning. I want you to know that as a believer in Jesus, you belong to Him and that He has purpose for your life. 
I think that purpose is beautifully summarized in the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism. And I'd like to take a look at that. Some of you are going, oh, I thought we were done with that Heidelberg Catechism stuff. But this is the most beautiful question in the whole thing, I think. And that's question number one. And the, the response is so well written and true. Question number one asks, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And I'd like you to read the answer with me here. That I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with His precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and redeemed me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven not a hair can fall from my head Yea, that all things must work together for my salvation. Wherefore, by His Holy Spirit, He makes me heartily willing and ready henceforth to live unto Him. And so, if you belong to Jesus Christ, and I left this in the original language because I like this phrase, if you belong to Jesus Christ, then you are heartily willing and ready henceforth to live unto Him. In other words, if you live for Jesus Christ, you will live to give Him joy. You'll serve Him with your life. You'll you'll seek to put that faith into action. And so our hope here is that you will experience the joy of serving God and of serving one another as a result of being a part of this body of believers, as a result of being a part of this church. 1 Peter 4, 8-10 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others. Now, some honestly may not like this idea of being a servant or of serving one another. After all, you might say, Hasn't Jesus paid the price for my sin and given me freedom? Can't I do whatever I want to do? Well, the Apostle Paul responds to that type of question in Galatians 5.13 by saying, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Now, we have to be honest and admit, it's much easier to indulge the sinful nature than to serve others. And if you have never experienced the joy of serving Jesus before in your life, why would you? You may need a little bit of encouragement. You may need to get a little bit of a taste of this before I can fully convince you that there's joy in serving others. So I want to I give a real-life example. There's plenty of examples of how you could serve the Lord, how you could serve one another. Let me just give you one example, and the man's name is Donovan. And he's a fairly wealthy man, and Donovan has a friend named Ray. And so Ray invites him to help out at a city soup kitchen. And Donovan wants to help, but he's never been to a soup kitchen before, and this isn't really comfortable for him. He, he would be more comfortable helping from a distance. 
Hey, Mr. Donovan. Stay close to me. Hey, Ray. I bet you guys could make it. I'd like to help out. Do you have a pen? The pen may be mightier than the sword, but an army marches on your stomach. Uh, they could use your help with mashed potatoes. I don't know. Hey, uh, honey. So Donovan and his daughter get uh, pulled into serving food. And Donovan begins to talk to people. And he begins to get to know them as he's serving them food. And he finds afterwards that he has really enjoyed this experience of serving others. And so him and Ray process this experience afterwards in the kitchen. Let's listen to that. I got to tell you, Ray, when I first got here, all I wanted to do was take that checkbook out, write a check, and get out. But I'm glad you gave me that spoon. Ladle. A spoon is for feeding yourself. A ladle is for serving others. Ladle, right. Well, I'm excited that you invited me. Sounds like you got a taste tonight, Mr. Donovan. Taste? Taste of true life. First Timothy 6. Command those who are rich in this present world. No offense, Mr. Donovan, but that's you. Command them not to put their hope in wealth, but in God who gives us everything. Do good, be rich in good deeds. Be generous, willing to share. So that they will take hold of a life that is truly life. Truly life, a life that's only possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ and allowing Him to live in us and to work in us in all of our weakness and our brokenness and our sin that God would want to dwell in us by His Holy Spirit and actually use us. That's His plan. And that's truly what we were made for. And so... May we find our life and our joy in Him as we walk in this intimate relationship with Him, seeking to know Him and to please Him. As we celebrate our eternal salvation and our life in Him, as we serve others, defeating the powers of darkness in our own sinful nature.